someone's coming for you and you're not gonna like it. You guys make noises in your sleep. Tell us. I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> but he's done awful things to people and he'll do awful things to you. I have blue socks too. Where's food? <laughs> How old are you? Nine. So you're not the guy that took us? No. <laughs> you're not the lady. What are you, blind? You don't know how they think. No, they don't, they don't tell me much. I just ate a hot dog. Could you help us, Hedwig? No, I'm, I'm not even supposed to be here. I, I stole the life from Mr. Dennis, but he'll be back real soon. I, I can't steal the life for too long or he'll know and get angry, etc. See ya. We have a podcast. What's it called? It's called Craft. What's the second one? Craft Services, or I would say where we talk about the movies, but this isn't the intro. This is... No, no. It's Trent, come on. We have to save that. Parth, what have you been eating? I have fish tacos for dinner. Nice. I cooked some cod, cooked some peppers, some rice. Cool. Um, yeah, I just had... Um, I hate to say it. Uh, I hadn't left my room in like a week. And Oh, wait. Why, why is that? Trent, why haven't you? You look a little disheveled, by the way. Yeah, no, thanks I wonder for bringing why. that up. Uh, the COVID nineteen um got, got had its way with me, got the best of me, but I, I I've since recovered uh, due to the wonders of modern medicine. My uh, I got Which vaccine. Did you get Pfizer? Um, mm -hmm. yeah, put put on the spot. You said you had a question you wanted to ask me, and that I wasn't gonna be able to guess what it was or something. Oh, the question. Um, yeah, we might as well just do that. Uh, so I was thinking during the film split about, uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb's 23, you know, individual personalities. First of all, sure. how many of them do you think he actually uses in the film? It's nine. It's nine. I yeah. think. Yeah, correct. Um, but if there were, I thought if we were to come up with 23 personalities for the pod, I thought of some very, uh. I thought of at least like five or six, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. Please, happy to hear it. Uh, I thought the Beast was when, whenever we talk about Solo. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> and then there's definitely that bit hasn't come around in a while. We gotta we gotta no. jumpstart that. One. There's you talking as Bane. There's you talking as the Joker. Are these separate se personalities? Yeah. Joker oh well, we, we need to check as many boxes. Twenty three is a big number. There's whenever one of us eats Italian food and I use an Italian accent. There's the other day when Parth was mad at me variant. Gaslighting Parth. Do you have any you want to add? Now, our operation is small, but there's a lot of potential for aggressive expansion. So which of you fine gentlemen would like to join our team? Oh. There's only one spot open right now, so we're going to have tryouts. Just to set the record straight, Parth, what is my name in the chat right now? Just a little backstory. Trent said he texted me just before recording, and he was like, Parth, I just want to warn you, I may be joining as the Beast. <laughs> and then and I so... said, are you going to be more of a Mr. Dennis or a Miss Patricia tonight? And then I came in and I joked, whenever we get onto record, I never have enough storage space. And then usually I'll I'll have to delete a bunch of important files just and to you'll come. Try to, you'll try to like hide the fact that that's what you're doing so you don't upset me. Yeah, but just to come up for like 90 minutes worth of space. And then I oh, and then Parth always makes the joke of that isn't enough. And today I made six hours worth of space. And Parth said that isn't enough. We need to do one hour for every one of the individual personalities. So strap your seatbelts, uh, people. It's going to be a long one. The 24-hour-long pod, guys. The Beast Get is ready. here. It's like that episode of iCarly where they have to do the longest web show ever. Did you it's watch exactly I like that episode. Did you watch iCarly as a boy? Sure didn't. Did you not have access to television? Had they not invented I did. electricity I just, yet? 
<laughs> no, I'm actually 253 years old. Uh, not known very commonly. Uh, no, just never really watched it. Um, wait, Trent, Trent, you didn't, you didn't answer. You're really old to be into podcasting. I was going to say, do you not want to know what I had to eat? No, I, you, you didn't give me a chance, Trent. Come on. Uh, I almost had a, at the five minute mark. You gotta. I was gonna speed say, this along. I was gonna say I hadn't been outside in a while, and so I went on a walk and I picked up a Popeye's chicken sandwich, um, mm. and I ate it with some carrots, and it was delicious. That's I, wonderful. I, I hate to be the. Did guy, you know I'm allergic to carrots? I love that chicken for Popeyes. Really, a uh, carrot is my favorite vegetable. That kind of puts us at a weird impasse, doesn't it? Um, Let's do, discuss this as the intro goes along. Yeah, I would actually be surprised if we re- revisited this topic. I think we're going to probably spend more time on uh, the film of the week this week, probably. Welcome back to Craft Services, our show, where we talk, we about-, talk about the movies. Each week, uh, we discuss a film and interview a crew member of that film and ask them about their experience working on the picture. Last week, we had on costume supervisor Rita Squatiri. Uh, was she delightful? She was incredibly delightful and super nice on air, and then even nicer off air because she... She made a few Instagram posts and story posts about us, trying to spread the good word about us. We're here to discuss the film that we discussed last week, but with additional discussion. Split M. Night Shyamalan's movie. Is returned to form for many. Yeah, he was kind of on a cold streak there. And this is his... Um, he made He, he made a movie called The Visit. That was like a found footage thing, and that got good enough reviews that he could make this. But this was his big, like, I'm back. Yeah, we can't talk about old for too long, but we've talked about old a few times on the show. And this being a, a show- movie I've never seen. Are you serious? Yes, we, we have spoken about this on air, Trent. Oh, well, old is good. Like, you should see it. Like, I- I've heard. Well, I've also heard people, like, hate it. Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this speech. Well, Trent, that's very cool and interesting, but I'm going to skip on right by and try to explain this movie in 10 words. Oh, yeah. And then give yeah, the official it's, synopsis. It's, it's your turn. James McAvoy. It's funny how we always spend the first two words on the actor's name. Yeah. For, yeah. No, for no good reason, but it's a tradition at this point, so continue. James McAvoy has multiple personality. Z mm. kidnaps girl. Z girls. Antics ensue. Oh, with a word to spare. Parth, I'm just gonna say this now because uh I don't want to forget about it. Um this film takes place at the Philadelphia Zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, a place where I have been on a high school field trip uh in my senior year. For, I see. For the National Honor Society. This was our big reward for some Ooh, reason. Trent had a big brain. Mm-hmm. He was part of the National Honor Society, and he just wanted to squeeze that into the pod. You're looking You're looking at the treasurer of the National Honor Society. Oh, and he was. He held a, class, a chair cl- position. Class of 2019. Um, oh, my God. But let me tell you, this is the sort of establishment where... Uh, people like i would believe it that under my feet um I, I, someone in the janitorial department had taken young women hostage the animals were not happy um as far as zoos go it wasn't a good zoo and um this nothing against the city of philadelphia but uh, your zoo sucks and a terrifying movie taking place there makes total sense but the animals of the Philadelphia Zoo, I love your work. I'm sorry you're kept hostage. With that being said, Trent, you want to give us budget? You want to give us box office? Sure. Um, $9 million budget and a box office of $278.5 million. Damn. That's a... Do you think that's a hit? 
Uh, I believe, as we'll cover in the production history, this is M. Night Shyamalan's fifth film to break the $100 million mark. Shh. Or, excuse that's me. That's my job. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to step on your toes. Yeah. Asshole. That's your okay. joke. So, uh, I guess we'll start the production history. M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Fuck you. M. Night Shyamalan had the concept for Split uh, years before he actually wrote the screenplay. This is a quote. In this case, I had written the character a while ago, and I had written out a few scenes of it, so I even had dialogue written out, which is really unusual for me. It sat there for a long time, and I really didn't have a clear reason why I didn't pull the trigger earlier. But this felt like the perfect time to do it, with the type of movies I'm doing right now and the type of tones I'm interested in, humor and suspense. Uh, the character of Kevin had been in an early draft of Shyamalan's earlier film, Unbreakable, but he pulled the character out because there were balancing issues at the time. With Split, he brought in some of the scenes he had written for Unbreakable around Kevin. Shyamalan requested permission to bring Bruce Willis's character David Dunn from Unbreakable into the film, and uh, he requested that permission from Walt Disney Studios, who had produced Unbreakable. Martha, have you seen uh, Unbreakable? I have not. I have. It's, People really like it. It's one of his best films, I think, and I really like M. Night Shyamalan. Is it a superhero movie in the traditional sense? Um, It's a superhero movie in the concept of it it's it's you know how movies that are like it's grounded in reality and that's like oh that's the cool take on a superhero now mm. he was ahead of his time um it was like it, the basic concept for unbreakable is what if superman didn't know he was superman parth what's your 20 seconds on bruce willis um he can be a great actor and it's a shame he doesn't give a fuck anymore it's a shame that he takes bad parts and uh according to what i've read uh not the nicest person on set no but okay. if you want to come on the pod by all means yeah we'd be happy to have you i know we will sell out any day uh including tomorrow if you respond to our emails mr willis that is continue so Shyamalan and sean bailey who i believe was running walt disney studios at the time came to a gentleman's agreement where Shyamalan could use the character in a film in the film without a fee so long as disney would be involved in a sequel if developed on October 2nd, 2015, James McAvoy was cast in the film to play the lead, and he replaced Joaquin Phoenix. Imagine this movie with Joaquin Phoenix. It's a very different movie with Joaquin Phoenix. I know he's obviously worked with him on The Village, which I haven't seen, but... And Signs. Oh, but The Village seems to be, before his comeback, that seemed to be the end of his being taken seriously of the 2000s, and then the airbender phase took place. And then yeah. it took a decade for him to redeem. The, the village was where people were starting to have real problems with him, and then Lady in the Water was the one that broke him. Um, but I like the village. I I think people have too many issues with that movie. Is this a better movie with Joaquin? No, because I kind of can't even see that happening. I think. I mean, let's get into that later. Um, on October 12th, 2015, Anya Taylor-Joy, Betty Buckley, Jessica Sula, and Haley Lou Richardson were added to the cast. And on October 27th, 2015, Universal Pictures came on board to release the film and titled it Split. Um, as with The Visit, Shyamalan funded the film himself. Principal photography, principal photography on the film began on November 11th, 2015 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, as with pretty much all of Shyamalan's other movies. Reshoots occurred in June 2016, and during post-production, uh, the role of Shaw, which was played by Sterling K. Brown, Dr. Fletcher's neighbor, was cut from the film as M. Knight believed that his scenes were ultimately unnecessary. And James McAvoy broke his hand in a scene where he was supposed to punch a metal door, but missed the soft section of the door he was intended to hit. Trent hit me with some fun facts. Quick comment. Most of the time, uh, directors who have all of their films take place in their home city, it's either like New York or LA. <clears> and <throat> I just find it funny that M. Night Shyamalan is, of, like, is from a suburb of Philadelphia. Philly. And he's like... He... I think there's something very sweet about the fact that he loves that town so much. It's in the same relationship that Kevin Smith puts all of his movies in New Jersey. And that way it's kind of... Or like John Hughes movies being sh set in Chicago. Yeah, but like with New Jersey and Kevin Smith, I feel like it's interpreted as cringe. I I think so. I yeah, I guess so. But I think it's sweet that Kevin Smith loves New. Jersey. Somebody's got to be more public about their love for New Jersey, you know. 
All right, you want some fun facts? <clears throat> yes. Shyamalan removed the final scene with Bruce Willis from the film for test audiences. The cameo shown at the 2016 Fantastic Fest and the 2016 AFI Fest months before its theatrical release because he didn't want it to be spoiled. Real-life multiple personality Billy Mulligan was the inspiration for the film. He was charged with three rapes, was the first person diagnosed with multiple personality disorder to use an insanity defense by reason of that disorder, and also first to be acquitted thus. Um, and he had 24 personalities. I guess that's where that number came from, consisting of 10 desirables named Billy, Arthur, Reagan, Voskodanovich, Alan, Tommy, Danny, David, Christine, Christopher, and Adelana, and then there were 13 undesirables, Phil, Kevin, Walter, April, Samuel, Mark, Steve, Lee, Jason, Bobby, Sean, Martin, and Timothy, and the teacher, a fusion of all the personalities. I wonder where the beast came from. Yeah. Um, M. Night Shyamalan appears in the movie as Jai, the concierge of the apartment building. Um, he's eating a cheeseburger. Um, I love that M. Night, first of all, puts himself in all his movies just because it's fun. And second, I love that it's in such small, dumb parts that always makes himself look kind of stupid. And yeah. it's not it's not in like a Hitchcock way where it's just like, He's sitting on a street. Can you miss it? And it's impossible for you to look stupid. It's like he gives himself lines of dialogue. His least stupid one, I think, is in the sixth sense. Isn't and everyone like after that, no, he's he's a doctor in that one. Okay. And then all the other like in Unbreakable, he he casts himself as like a drug dealer. <laughs> um and, for whatever I, that's worth. And it's not like in a Tarantino Reservoir Dogs way where he was still trying to make it as an actor. He's just like, nope, I'm the director, and I'm gonna give myself two lines of dialogue. Because it's fun. Again, I think it's sweet. Okay, and like we alluded to earlier, uh this was the fifth of M Night's films to break a hundred million dollars at the box office. And I guess if we're trying to name the other ones, it's probably Six Sense, Signs, The Village. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. I think old might have broken this. No, not yet. Um, I don't think it did. In due time. Should we do some once our reviews? Yes, you start. This one is by Kay Kennedy, titled Awful Movie, Accidentally Click to Pay, Beware. I didn't intend to order this. I couldn't see my TV well enough to realize there was a fee. I started to watch anyway. It was a terrible movie. Didn't watch much of it. I misunderstood what it was about. Hope I don't make... A mistake like that again. I never intend to pay for any movies. So this is not a person that wants to give filmmakers their hard-earned cash. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one? <laughs> Thanks for the response, Trent. <laughs> it really gave me a lot to work with. There. Yeah, so this one's from Jessica, titled, Don't Rent Movies, Rip Off. I rented the movie and fell asleep through it and went to watch it again and Amazon said it was watched all the way through you pay 3.99 or you have it for 48 hours if you pause it how do you pause it when you're asleep isn't this like fucked up they seem to be upset that it didn't know that after they pressed play that they were asleep because the thing is whether you were asleep or awake you pressed play so that starts the 48 48 I, hours i think they're mad about the fact that you should be allowed to be watching it and fall asleep. And once you're asleep, you're not going to pause it before you fall asleep. And therefore, it's going to run until its end. And she's mad because she wasn't able to revisit it because it's saying that she completed the film. Apparently, that's Amazon's policy, and that's seriously mm -hmm. fucked up. Is it should be 48 hours no matter what. You should be able to watch as many times as you want. The third one is by Melissa Cockrell. And she says, uh, offense. What's the title? Trent. Offensive to Christians from the start. And what's the actual review? Um, offensive to Christians from the start. Well, Melissa, your last name has the word <clears throat> newsflash cock in it. And as a Christian myself, maybe I'm offended from the start. Um, I also don't know what's like offensive Christianity wise. I thought the same thing. I was like, you can be offended morally speaking. You know, I saw some reviews saying that they don't like movies where women get abducted and i'm like that's every movie but uh i think we can move on to uh the main the portion of, the main portion of the show yes we've completed this portion hope you liked it on to sure the the main discussion 
Trent, how about you tell me your thoughts of what's working? I'll go with what's working, and we'll go to what's not working. Sure. And and just a spoiler alert, I might have more to say in the what's not working. I've seen this movie three times now, and each time I would say it's been somewhat positive. Me rewatching it today was probably the least positive because I watched it all of two weeks ago for our interview, and so it was pretty fresh, but still entertaining. I mean, James McAvoy's the whole movie. It caught Anya Taylor-Joy at a good time. Him doing the different versions of himself, especially the child one, um, is the best part of the movie. M. Night Shyamalan described this as the hardest film of his entire life, which I find to be interesting. This movie spun off Glass, which I have zero interest in. Um, I also don't have that much interest in Unbreakable, but clearly I'm out here You're missing out. Uh, I'm I I bought a house on the s- stock of old, and so clearly I'm still out here uh, drumming up support for M Night. Parth, you? Yeah, uh, this is a movie that I watched not when it came out, but just when it came out on digital. And so I was like, what, 15, 16 when I saw it first. And I remember really loving it. Uh, For some reason, it really like energized the filmmaker side of my brain. Well, it's like the first time I feel like there's really good cause and effect. There's really good momentum from one scene into the next. That's like anything, anything can happen and what's going to happen. It's engaging. and And it's hard not to watch it and find it to be a pretty well crafted movie. Especially when I saw it, I was I was like fifteen, so I was like, "Yeah, like kind of M Night kind of sucks, right, guys?" And so it's, then to it's have weird him how come people out, think it's so cool to hate M Night Shyamalan. Kind of don't see why. Well, the thing is, he has made a few movies that are like kind of laughably bad, but I also think part of it is people he likes to take chances, and people don't like when the chances don't work. And people, people more than don't like it, they hate it, and that causes. Like I think that's what caused like such a vitriolic hate towards him. And then the last Airbender, because he took on like the Avatar franchise, um, like the last Airbender franchise, I guess. Um, I think people got really pissed about how because he butchered that movie. That was sacred IP. But this movie was being hailed as his, like, real comeback movie where it was like, oh, no, he's made, like, a great movie. And to a certain extent, I kind of see what they mean in that this is a well-crafted movie. You can tell this is made by someone that understands how to work a camera. And um, the fact that this cost $9 million, I mean, it's not, like, a movie where I'm like, that's shocking because most of it takes place in, like, an underground dungeon type area but very few movies that that are shown in theaters are made for less than 10 million dollars and and if they are they're usually shitty horror films and this is a horror film obviously it's part of our halloween horror extravaganza but it's not it's not like a paranormal activity or something or it's not like a cabin in the woods or or not cabin in the woods as in the movie but cabin in the woods as in the concept of uh, of you know teens getting chainsawed in the woods it's teens getting ripped limb from limb underground, which is totally different. So I loved it when I watched it the first time. Watching it this time, um, I think it's obviously a really well-made movie, but there's certain things about uh, the way it handles the multiple personality disorder thing that um, kind of leave a little bit to be desired. As, as in, like, from an exposition standpoint, I was just about to compliment the old woman therapist. One, because I like her scenes, and I think that they're well-written, and very few characters can believably speak for whole paragraphs at a time in pretty medical, you know, abstract terms and get away with it. But she's the exposition queen. Because without without those scenes, uh, this movie uh, is I don't want to say like empty, but like shallow. Yeah, I mean, like it would it would it would just be an abducting teen girls movie, which is less interesting. Uh, my issues lie less with the exposition because I think it's a pretty there's a good revelation of information going on, um, which sometimes M Night has had issue with, 
but m- more so um well let, let me say a few things that are working before i dive into this because this is really my main issue with the movie i guess what's working all the performances are really good clearly james mcavoy is a great actor I don't think Joaquin Fiend, I'm really glad that those negotiations never went through because I think James McAvoy has a much more likable look to him. And just as an actor, I think is a more like you want to like him. Uh, Whereas Joaquin Phoenix, it's not like you want to dislike him, but I I don't trust him as much, you know? Uh, And I think you kind of have to feel bad for uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb. You know what I'm saying? When I think Joaquin Phoenix, I think he's of the most serious grade of actor that we have, uh, you know, available today. And I can't imagine him being in a film like this. And so much so that I can't imagine him being in Todd Phillips' Joker either, but he does that. And that's only like a pivoted version of what this is. And so it just, it kind of is confusing all all up in one. Good night. And always remember, that's... Breaking news. Popular TV talk show host Murray Franklin shot dead tonight on the live telecast of his program by one of his guests. by Franklin as Joker is currently under arrest. I also just think, like, as an actor, he is not the right fit for what this movie needs. Um, but... No, All but, the performances are really good. Yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy is really good. Betty Buckley, who's the old woman, she's really good. And Anya Taylor-Joy is like the most famous uh, woman under 35 right now. And so this movie caught her like in her rookie season. Yeah, in, in 2015, The Witch came out and she got a lot of acclaim for that. And then this came out and she got a lot of acclaim for this. Um, it, the movie looks really good. I think the cinematographer is Mike Giacoulis. Who... It's the cinematographer from It Follows. Yes, and he has done every M. Night movie since, and he has done Servant, which is M. Night's show on Apple TV, which is actually pretty good. Um, the problem with the movie, I think, lies in how it tries to deal with multiple personality disorder. And um, because the thing is, that's already something that's kind of stigmatized in media. I saw some reviews that touched on this, and it seemed like the multiple personality community uh, does not appreciate this text. Yes. And here's the thing is that some, I can kind of look past it in a lot of cases, like let's say psycho, like that's something or that's something where it's such a great movie. People with mental illnesses have kind of been codified as villains a lot of times in movies. And that's kind of like a movie thing or like two face, for example, that's a multiple personality thing. Well, it, even in Psycho, as an example, like, I I think movies should still be allowed to have crazy people who murder people because, you know, that's the foundation of of all of Hollywood. But I guess and that's why Psycho is just like he thinks that he his mom is still alive and that's fundamentally crazy. But in this, it's it's plunging into the terminology and the medical diagnosis of it all and that's what i was gonna say spending whole scenes talking about the research and that's when you're gonna piss people off because it's not just like he's crazy and he thinks that his mom is alive or you know whatever or he is his mom but the 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 thing that i think doesn't work for me is it goes a little too real on it it tries to explain it in trying to ground the sort of what ends up becoming like super villain type stuff that happens towards the end, because really that's what this is. Cause this is a backdoor sequel to unbreakable unbreakable is a superhero villain, a superhero origin story. This is a super villain origin story. And, and you find uh, that out by the end. And do they face off in glass? They kind of do. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but yes. The issue I have is that they try to explain it, and certain things are kind of cool. Like, it is true that the human body, like, if you have multiple personality disorder, it is possible for one personality to have allergies and for the other personality not to have allergies. There is a physiological element sometimes to that kind of thing, but in explaining it that way, it kind of makes it more like, 
oh, like people with mental illness have like superpowers. And that makes it well, a weird thing. I, I was get, the thing that popped out at me is at the end when is he intentionally captures these girls because he thinks that they're like pure. And then he sees the Anya Taylor Joy's character has like uh, has scars, and clearly she's been like abused in the past. And he's like, ah, since you have trauma, we are a, a higher being. And I yes. was like, I'm not sure how to read this. I was watching this with friend of the show and previous guest of the show, guest Trent. Who was it? Um, either Sophia Alexis from our Gone Girl episode or yes. Cl- or okay. It was her. Uh, we were watching it, and she's a psych major, and she is very, if you listen to the Gone Girl episode, very into how trauma and mental illness and all sorts of psych-related stuff is represented in film. Um, and this movie pissed her off a lot. Um, and it didn't piss me off as much, because I think I, I like to go and I'm not that she doesn't, but just like, I really try to go into it with as much benefit of the doubt. I don't think M. Night Shyamalan thinks that if you are abused, you have superpowers. Obviously, I don't think he thinks that. I think it's for the constraints of the story that he was trying to tell that. But it does... It it puts it in a weird light where, yeah, if you have trauma and uh, self-harm yourself um, and you're abused you're like better and the the other way you can look at it as well he's the villain he's clearly wrong obviously that doesn't make sense but it's still a weird idea i don't know um i i think the other main storytelling device is uh the intercutting of the flashbacks of her as a child to to illustrate this trauma and um they're pretty striking. I remember not liking the flashbacks when I was when I first watched it because I usually I don't like it in movies when there is a closed room scenario and you build a lot of tension by the fact of, that they can't get out of this situation and then you cut to another location or something and I don't generally like it when they do that. In this case, I kind of I understand that it has to happen some at some point because you have to explained that she was and is under the care of an abusive caretaker like it's enough to be like considered a subplot um i don't know i think it takes up a a, a weird percentage of the movie um there's already a lot going on there's a shotgun i bought it's in the bottom cabinet hidden behind things the shells are in my uniform closet out in the service hall Kill me. You kill me. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. He can't handle reality. My name is Jade. Has Dr. Fletcher been getting our emails? This is what we have to do. We can. As in 1008, when Anadapala suffered the Shahi's most crushing defeat and Mahmud overran the entirety of the Punjab region, taking the famed temple of Kangra, we have been wronged by this alliance, this horde of Patricia, Dennis, and the boy. Their actions do not represent us. They are every... Everybody just take a minute. Oh, baby girl... They've been stealing control of their life from me, but their group are going to work through this. Honey, my name is Barry. You shouldn't have used the walkie-talkie. That's my basic fundamental problem with the movie, is that it kind of tries to use real psychological issues that people have and place them in like a supervillain origin story and like characters like Two-Face or the Green Goblin like they have split personality disorder and it's kind of like all right well, well it's like a Jekyll and is, Hyde thing quite yeah it's well like even Jekyll and Hyde is kind of stigmatizing people with multiple personality disorder 
but it's also a facet of like storytelling. So I can kind of excuse it in something like the Green Goblin, where it's like, well, they're not trying to say this is real. They're just trying to say this guy is specifically crazy. Um, but in this movie, because they try to base it in reality to make it more scary, in doing so, they kind of put out a little bit more of a harmful message. So I, it kind of sounds like I'm hating on this movie, and I don't hate this movie. I'm just conflicted on this movie because... It's weird that they put a lot of emphasis on there being 23 slash 24, whether or not that's based, that number is from the the the, the source material. The fact that they only uh, feature nine, I, I feel like yeah. it, if you're going to have a movie where the character has that many, you think you might as well lean into that as much as possible. And I feel like people wouldn't be upset with nine, is the thing. No, I'm saying you could just say that it's, oh, there's nine and there's going to be yeah. a tenth. Yes. And the tenth one is the beast. And, and James McAvoy is really good at acting. Like, he's very, very believable in each of his in the way that he moves and the way just like very minor subtle performance changes he's really good at them i don't know why they made it 24 other than to reference i guess and also 24 personality seems crazy you know from a legal standpoint frankly i know that uh people have gotten acquitted for for less but i'm surprised that held up in court and to to be like yeah one of my 24 killed someone but we, there's 23 others, and we're all super nice guys. I mean, he. this seems like a case of a very clearly... A guy with a lot of issues, is how we'll put it. I mean, like, I, I feel like that the, the other thing is... I mean, this also happened while Sophia and I were watching Seven, and there's a scene where Kevin Spacey is basically like, I will tell you where the other two people are, uh, and if if you go on me on my wild little, wild little adventure. But if you don't, I'll plead insanity. And everybody's like, well, we have to go with him because we don't want him to get away with it. And it's like movies and television already kind of have an anti... If you're Kevin Spacey in Seven or you're James McAvoy in Split, you probably do have pretty severe mental illnesses. And so the whole thing of like, well, they need to be punished for their crimes is kind of like a... It's like a holdover from the thing that people need to be punished and incarcerated for them to learn their lesson. So if you're if you have 24 personalities and I'm not saying the guy shouldn't face any retribution for things that he did, but he probably probably is insane. Is what I'm trying to say. The line is interesting, especially since you bring up seven, because it's like, yeah, for you like to be the specific brand of insane to kill people based off the bible yeah you definitely have to be crazy but it's a different sort of crazy than the crazy people who kill people and then deserve to go to a mental asylum because anyone who kills someone has to be a little bit crazy but then it's sure. like where does where does that line of crazy enough to just wear a straight jacket rather than be in a jail cell because as a criminal or as a human being, the treatment is better in an insane asylum rather at even as harsh as those words sound rather than a prison. And so any in, in, con, in the premise of seven, he's saying that even though I clearly am a menace to society, the nature of my crimes are so extreme that I could convince people that I'm just uh, like a religious lunatic. No, I, I, I mean, I don't want to get into seven too much because, I want to talk about that movie on the pod. Yeah, right. My point is just, he's clearly insane. Like, like getting, it's like a holdover of, well, people need to be punished into being not insane. And that's not really how it works. Par Parth, can I, can I ask you a question about this movie? Please. <clears throat> Within the first, I, I, I was scrubbing through and I was impressed at the efficiency of this movie. Because within the first, like, five minutes, they're abducted. And then within the first ten minutes, we're in the, we're underground. And we understand the, you know, we understand the outline. And then... The stakes. Yeah, and then within the next ten minutes, we'll learn that this guy's multiple personalities. And, you know, everything will start to come together. Within the first 90 seconds, the setup of the movie, the, the two girls, the two other girls who get abducted, 
are explaining that Casey Anya Joy Anya Joy Taylor fuck me Anya Taylor Joy Anya Taylor Joy's character is an outcast to them correct yes is the movie treat like are the two other girls are they supposed to be like dumb and popular or are they supposed to be like just nice pretty people I'm not sure because I, I think they're meant to be like popular-ish people or at least people that aren't like outcast type people but there's they're not like super mean to her or anything and it's just weird because in movies i'm used to it being so much one or the other where you're either you're either the kid that gets picked on or you're the bully yeah you're either pretty and therefore mean or you are not attractive and therefore you are an outcast yeah no i mean i think they're like a nice little middle i mean i like that with the girls that they aren't Villains. It's it's not a trope because they yeah. they ride the line between the archetypes. Yeah, and I and I like that they're not stupid. They're, they're like at the very beginning of the movie, Anya Taylor Joy seems to be more capable than they are. Um, the beginning of the movie, Anya Taylor Joy is bumming me out because I like even in their hopelessness, they're like, all right, we need to you know team up. And we need some girl power, and we need to go bananas on this guy. And Anya Taylor Joy is being a Debbie Downer, and she's like, "This guy is crazy strong, and he'll destroy us." Yes, but but what I was going to say is that I I like that they are like you said so gung ho about the whole thing, and that they aren't doing stupid things all the way to the end. They're doing things that I could pretty reasonably see myself doing. I, I like the whole time that they're constantly looking for new solutions to escape. And that I, yes. the, the first like 90 minutes of the movie is just them getting separated after making separate escape attempts. Which if you were locked up, you would just be clawing at the floorboards the whole time. Yes. Or t- trying to scroll through the air duct, whatever it may be. Yeah. A- and, and... I think the other most interesting part of the movie is whenever I I, I I guess obviously why you make a movie like this is so you can have the characters interact with the antagonist in different ways when the different personalities come to light. But it's like whenever Hedwig comes out, they're like, I right, we can convince this child to like maybe let us out of here. Or yeah. we can manipulate the situation to our advantage. And that's yes. when it gets interesting. I think the scenes between Anya Taylor-Joy and Hedwig are my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, Hedwig. Are the most interesting. Hedwig dancing to Kanye West is awesome. Yes. It's very good. Wow. I know. This is your CD player? Yeah. You don't like it? It's it's not new. No. No, I'm just uh I'm I'm confused. You said it was near a window. Oh, that's here. <laughs> what? Now it's closed. Now it's open. Now it's closed. I was open. Did you think it was a real window? So you could leave, etc. Parth, um, we're starting to, you know, head into the uh, the third act of this pod. Um, give a brief summary on your general thoughts before we enter uh, the ratings gauntlet. I think it's a really well-made movie that I'm sure comes from a place of good intentions where M. Night Shyamalan was just trying to make a really entertaining movie. And it is very entertaining. Um, But I think towards the end, what it's trying to get across thematically is a little nebulous and murky. I stand conflicted on where I, where it falls on my scale. Um, I was just thinking about how um, it's incredibly well made, but I just don't know if this is a movie that I'll come back to just because it 
pretty dark and grimy, and just any movie that takes place underground uh, is kind of... I mean, you're intent, you're intentionally designed to like feel trapped, you know, as the people do. But just a movie where people suffer and get like tortured and eaten as much as in this movie, it's not in any rush. Not for you. I mean, and like Seven is like one of my favorite movies, and you literally watch people just get disemboweled there. Um, but that's different. Uh, like, I, I enjoyed this movie, um, and it is very engaging. Is it time to enter the ratings gauntlet? I, I was just gonna say, the only real thing we haven't covered, I guess, is when the, the beast is unleashed, so to speak. Oh, yeah, I guess we haven't spoken about that. And what I will say is, um, I like his Achilles heel of just saying his name and it, like, resetting him, and... Then I like how he, like, so quickly, like, one of the other identities comes out and Anya Taylor-Joy explains to him, like, yeah, you, you know, abduct, you killed your therapist and you, like, abducted these other women. And he's like, dude, like, I'm the worst. Like, you should get my gun and, like, kill me. Um, And then it's less interesting when he just turns into the beast again and gets shot and then runs away. I know that when the beast gets unleashed, that's the thing that loses a lot of people. Um, I like when he climbs up the wall. That's like the one it doesn't like, mind. Like, I I don't mind it. I, I, people no, I, like I get really I, taken out of the movie for some reason. And I, for some reason, it just it it works for me. I think maybe because in hindsight, I know that it's a supervillain origin story, so it's in the world of a thing where people with superhuman abilities already exist. I, I don't heard know. someone say on another podcast that the that the beast crawling on the wall in this movie was like <clears throat> their reoccurring nightmare as like as a teenager. And I, I don't know like, that I, I like, would really? go that far. This? I I I think it's fine. It's like well done enough. I don't I, know that I, it terrifies and I, me. And then I think the one other good moment is just when you witness his you know strength and self destruction when he's like you know pulling the bars apart. And the sure. blood is coming from his mouth. Like, that's uh, that's a pretty good image. All right, is it time to enter the ratings gauntlet? Enter the, the sound effect? Is it the atomic bomb? Yeah, it's, it's the nuclear bomb fallout. All right, Trent, what would you... Would you, would you recommend this movie? You've already said your rewatchability thing, but just remind the folks at home and give your rating. I mean, it's on. It's in the top five of every Shyamalan list, um, and so if you don't like this one, you probably won't like his other work because this is considered like a renaissance for him. Um, I would not even. I wouldn't go that far. I not but... even like a return to form, but like a return to quality. Um, I'm in no rush to re- rewatch this movie. I would recommend it because it's well made. Six and a half. Yeah, six, I mean, six, I, I six point five for short. I guess I would also recommend this movie with the asterisk of I don't know. Don't don't buy into it too much. Um, which I mean, I don't know that how many people are, but um, and then rewatchability. I I can rewatch this. I don't have the problem with the griminess. Um. As far as a rating, I give it like a six out of ten. It it kind of fell considerably for me on this recent rewatch. Yeah, me too. I before rewatching this, I would have said like, oh, like that's a movie I'd rate at, at like an eight. When I watched it the second time, it was my uh, prepping for the interview, and I was watching it for the costumes. Like I, yeah, I would have given it like an eight. Like I was so pleasantly surprised. And then this morning, maybe it was just I wasn't in the frame of mind for, like, a grim movie like this. But it did not. Uh, I, I wasn't in the, the right place. It, it split me in half, you know. Ooh, ooh, he said the movie died. Oh. I, yeah, no, I did. Um, do you think Split is a little bit of an obvious name? I'm glad. At the I end don't of, mind it. I, th- I like clear and direct names. 
and simple. At the in the kicker of the movie, uh, the unbreakable connection, which I guess we can talk about, um, which I think is the most heavy-handed thing I've ever seen. Um, them calling him because they're about to say like the name that they've given for the split guy, and I thought that they were going to be like Mister Split. Um, but them calling him the Horde is kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like he needs a he needs a supervillain name. I'm okay with it. I, I'm okay with, it. and and I like that ending. I like thing, it. and I just think it's like it's so uh, unsubtle. I guess, but I mean, this isn't a subtle movie. But I'm glad that it's a kicker that it's not like a post credit scene that it's like. You know, the movie ends, and then there's one second of black, and then he's not going to waste our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. B- b- because post credit scenes, I know that that's the nature of the beast, pun intended, but that you have to sit there um, and um, pay homage to the people who worked hard for four minutes before you get to see, like, your extra 30 seconds at the end of Iron Man 3. Um, but, yeah, no, I like the no-bullshit approach to a to a post credit scene. All right. Well, I guess that's been our episode on Split, our discussion. What's next, Trent? Next week, we will be interviewing uh, production designer Inbal Weinberg from Spiria. Um, was that good? Was it a good interview? It was a pretty great interview. Our third production designer. Very exciting. Um, after that, we'll discuss Suspiria. After that, Evil Dead. And after that, uh, well, we don't, we know, but you don't. We're, and we're not at, at a liberty to say. Yeah, it's a, it's a secret. We're not going to tell you. Ah. Um, see what you did there. But uh, yeah, enjoy our episode next week. Oh, and part, Make- that was, we hadn't mentioned the Joker yet this episode. So I'm oh, glad- fuck, that was our one Joker moment. I know, uh, and uh, uh, with the recent joke of one Joker clip per episode, expect expect a few Joker clips sprinkled in. Yeah. Um. So enjoy our episode next week. Make sure to follow our social media. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. Those are the two that we have. Mm-hmm. And subscribe to us on or follow us on, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Leave us a good review. It helps be cool if you did that and uh listen to our episode next week yep um tell your friends about the show it really does help Uh, that's all i'm tired